0: Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Reading Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him.
1: Uh, I, as we'll become apparent in a moment, I'm, I'm not a fisherman person of any kind. And uh, my, I have maybe one or two memories fishing. One of them, I don't know how, how old I was. Uh, but the pastor at my church that I grew up in took, took me fishing. And uh, it took me and my dad and uh, a young, another friend, I think, was with us in the boat. So the four of us in a boat, and we were going night fishing. And for the fishermen in the house, I'm probably going to get all kinds of things wrong in the telling of this story. Please don't hold that against me. Uh, But we're going to go night fishing. I'm like, oh, great. And we did this thing, if if my memory serves me correctly, it was called slingshot fishing. And we would, you'd hold the rod and kind of let the line out a couple of feet, right? And then you'd grab the lure in one hand, pull it until you got some tension in the rod, and then release all of it at once and sling, instead of casting, kind of sling your uh, lure into the, I don't know, under the docks and along the... I don't know what we were, I guess we were trying to catch fish, obviously, but, um, so it was, uh, I remember the night for a couple of different reasons. One of them was I lost, uh, again, my pastor was an avid, uh, and excellent fisher man. And, uh, uh, so this was a hobby and a passion that, uh, ran deep and I, I lost one of his lures on top of a shed, right? I just, like, well, <laughs> look at that, right? Um. Uh, which, you know, unfortunately was not the worst moment of the, of the evening night fishing, because I also hooked my dad's hat, which was on his head, uh, in the boat with, with us. And, um, uh, again, needless to say, he, my pastor never took me fishing again. <laughs> Uh, and uh, But I am a fisher of men, I suppose, which uh, maybe, I don't know, it worked out in the end. But uh, we, we all maybe love a, a good fishing story, even if it's not our own, right? We know the sort of cultural tropes around it, right? Like, man, I had this sort of, this, you know, record catch or a record haul. You'll never believe the size of that fish. Or, uh, y- you know, maybe it's sometimes it's the epic struggle of whatever, you know, sea creature we were seeking to sort of uh, capture, and uh, I think uh, about those kinds of feelings when, when we sit with the story we read this morning, right? I mean, you talk about epic fishing stories. This Peter, I mean, how often did he retell this, uh, strictly uh, as a fishing story? Like, how, how often did he tell this truly epic? Uh, fishing story. I, I um, Again, to set the context, we're kind of working our way through Luke. We won't read all the verses. We're, we're going to try and work our way sort of slowly through at different points over the year and get a sense for the story of Jesus as Luke gives it to us. And so we, last week, uh, you know, we Christmas, the season of Advent, all the songs in Luke's gospel preparing us for his birth, then we turned a corner of these initial events in Jesus' life and ministry, his baptism, his temptation in the wilderness, and then last week his, his inaugural sort of sermon at home in his hometown. And if you'll remember, they, they kind of ran him out of town. They were uncomfortable with, with the announcement that, that the grace of God's favor uh, uh, was going to sort of reach into places that maybe uh, his hometown crowd thought it ought not to go. And so out of that, right, Jesus steps in in Luke chapter 4 he continues his ministry. He's moving in the region of Capernaum. He's teaching stories of healing, uh, some who had had an unclean spirit. There's a story where he's at uh, Peter's house with his healing his mother-in-law, working, uh, Jesus teaching, and already in chapter 4, we get this sort of tug and pull that will be a rhythm in Jesus's ministry of sort of retreating to quiet places, yet the crowds sort of, clamoring to draw him out that's already a rhythm we feel in fact it's it's what precipitates uh this incredibly uh fun kind of fishing story right jesus once again the crowds are pressing in so he retreats into a boat uh with peter and uh sits down because he teach the crowd so peter hears all this teaching uh and then he's you know there when he's done teaching he says peter let's uh man let's let's go fishing right and uh, Peter, as we know, right, this is profession, right? This isn't sort of a hobby. I mean, the, he's skilled enough to have other members in the family business. I mean, this is, uh, he, he's an accomplished uh, fisherman, and, and so he sets out, uh, and Jesus says, let's throw your nets, and Peter's like, okay, right? Like, I mean, you hear it. We, uh, you know, we've been fishing all night. This is what, this is what we do, right? And, uh, but, but, you know, I saw what you did with my mother-in-law, okay? And miraculous, all sort of, you, you can make your own jokes there, but I uh, saw what you did with my mother-in-law, so I, I guess, like, uh, all right, master, I'll, we'll give it a go. <laughs> and he throws the nets, record haul of fish, right? And multiple boats are dragging it back to the shore. It's this, it's this. He gets the fishing story right, of a lifetime, and uh, except, except, I, I I don't think his story. Uh, I wonder if in his retelling, if it, if it sort of is not really about the fish this this fishing story from Peter it's, it's a you can feel the movement in Luke's telling of the story uh, he goes from the crowds just in the narrative like he's, he's crowds pressing in Jesus sort of in the boat teaching and then then he zooms in even further and he gets this really personal and we hear this intimate conversation this interaction between him and uh, Jesus and, and, and Peter and in this moment we, we discover uh, something inc- even perhaps more remarkable and surprising than the story about the fish. And it's that interaction I want to pull us into uh, this morning as well. I I think what we find is in verse 8, sort of the meat is where we'll live of this story where we discover, oh wait, this fishing story is not really about the fish. Simon Peter responds in verse 8 when he saw what had happened. So it is about the fish, but but he saw what had happened. He fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Oh Lord. And, and he pulls us into sort of this moment where, we're like, wait a minute, maybe it's not about the fish. He, he moves us into uh, confession, which is an interesting response to what has, has happened. Uh, uh, that, that of all the things Peter perhaps could have done in this moment, that his response in this moment is the recognition that there is significant distance between himself and Jesus. Right, Luke, as he continues to tell the story of Jesus, he'll put some more flesh on what sinner means. At this point in his telling, it's not as robust a term for us, but one thing that is very clear uh, in this moment is that whatever else it will come sort of to uh, include, it means a recognizable distance between Jesus and, and us. And here Peter in this moment, because of what has happened, makes a confession, I am a sinful man. Again, uh, an interesting an interesting move. It actually stands in contrast to the story as we would have heard it already in chapter four. We didn't read it all, but but uh, in chapter four, verse forty-two, we hear this reaction to Jesus—the same kind of thing. They've heard him teach; uh, he's done incredible things, like the fish. And their response in verse forty-two: the crowds try to keep him from leaving them. Right? Stay with us. This is good. Stay here with us. Uh, Jesus says, "No, no, 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 no. There are others." who must experience this good news and grace as well. But Peter, interestingly, in contrast to that move, Peter doesn't do anything like that, which would have made sense. But man, this could be really good for the business, right? Uh, In this moment, right? Uh, This could be personally expedient for us in all kinds of ways. But instead of that, Peter makes no claims on Jesus. After hearing him teach, watching him work, he kneels down and acknowledges, I am a sinful man person. No attempt on Peter to sort of uh, uh, pull Jesus into kind of what uh, what might serve his own sort of purposes and benefits here. There's just this simple recognition of distance. I'm in the presence of someone uh, from whom I am very uh, different. I was reminded of, as uh, uh, many of you know, I'm a runner, and I listen to music on a run, and a lyric that's kind of hung with me recently, I think it's from a, an outfit called Elbow, and uh, the, the lyric, the, the song Little Fictions, is we protect our, our little fictions, like it's all we are, and you can feel Peter, like, uh, you know, he's in, this is the sphere of his expertise, Right? He, he is a fisherman. This is his vocation. It's, it's his livelihood. And, and in this moment, Jesus steps in, sort of peels back, well, you know, uh, there's, there's kind of more going on here. And Peter's response is to kind of have to let go of all these fictions and just acknowledge, I, I am a sinful person, is an echo of, of really old themes in Scripture. Jesus has already leaned into so some really Old uh, Testament writings. Isaiah, as we saw last week, who, who uh, you know, many, many, many years before had anticipated uh, the coming of one uh, who would work this kind of grace in the world, and, and uh, this scene with Peter takes us back to a scene with Isaiah, who, when he experiences the glory of God, uh, many of you know the story in Isaiah 6, he responds with, woe is me, I am lost I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. And and we see this is not new to Peter, but that the response to to the moment when God shows up in our lives, uh, the honest response in that moment is a recognition of distance. I am a sinner, right? That even in in the places of my expertise where I am exposed for what I really uh, am, as Peter is in this moment, uh, the response is uh, I am. A sinner. I wondered this morning where you and I, me, where you and where I—I I believe it's I—might feel that gap. Right? Where where do we feel that gap? I, I think you can feel it in a number of places. I wonder maybe it's it's parenting. I I confessed last week that one of my children uh, told me I had a sarcastic face, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, well. In the spirit of transparency, it came up again this week, (laughs) and uh, we were in the car, and I forget, uh, you know, somebody had forgotten something again, or I don't remember what. I was trying to, like, parent my child, correct a behavior in ways that I know don't work. I know it's not wise. I know no person responds well uh, to this kind of thing, and so I I used sarcasm, and my kid, uh, she's like, I don't like it when you do that serious she's like you're sarcastic when you're grumpy and uh i know right you guys (laughs) (laughs) naturally i said what are you talking about right Uh, i'm like oh you know i took the mature route i said okay uh again i'm driving so i have to focus on the road but uh i'm like okay well well how how you know i'm sorry how how what would be a better way uh not sarcastically what would be a better way for me to (laughs) respond and uh she's like i don't know maybe like mommy (laughs) <laughs> I said, oh, because your mom's so perfect, right? <laughs> yeah. See, it's, it's funny, uh, it's funny now, but in the quiet moments uh, of my life, um, when, when my life is just kind of empty nets and night fishing, it's an uncomfortable sort of revelation of what I know to be true about myself, that I'm a sinner, and I wonder what other places in your life you might feel that gap. Maybe it's relationships or vocational spaces where you know, uh, this is where I thrive, this is where I shine. Uh, but yet to sort of be honest about the undercurrents in our lives there, when Jesus shows up in those places, we, we are met uh, with the uncomfortable realization that we are sinners. Maybe where we're crushing it, maybe where we're blowing it, in those moments, we, we come to this story of Jesus meeting a fisherman in the middle of his empty nets. And he meets you and me in the middle of, of our messes as well. And the only honest response to that encounter, as we see in the story of Peter, is the confession, the admission, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. But here's where I think the story Okay, Peter's taking us, Well, we thought it was about a fish, then we turn a little further, now we're like, wait, 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 there's really something else going on here. We, we bump into, in this moment, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and in verse 10, Jesus says to him, uh, again, so remember, in response to this confession, wow, I'm a sinner, Jesus said to Simon, that's beautiful, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. I I, I don't know. uh, What beautifully good news for you and me that we do not have to be afraid of the confession. We are sinners. I, I can't think of no other place in life where this kind of reality would be true, where we don't have to be afraid of the confession that we are not what we appear to be, that we are often worse than we want to be, that we are sinners, and yet in this moment where we're uh, pulled into the story of Peter in response to this confession, Jesus says to him, it's okay, buddy. Don't be afraid. Not the first time we've heard this in Luke's telling of the story of Jesus. Mary heard it in her low estate. Uh, the shepherds heard it on the fringe and the outside. Don't be afraid. When, when God showed up in his glory in their lives, don't be afraid. And now Peter honest with this assessment of being seen for who he is, even in the place where he's supposed to have it together, he hears these gracious words, don't don't be afraid. I, I, I think I don't know, like, I, I wonder if it's that because that's not our natural reaction. Right? I mean, fear makes a lot of sense. Uh, when we are exposed and seen for what we are, uh, I think our natural reaction is, is fear. Um, what we expect to follow a, con- a confession like this, uh, you know, it's, it's something like, you know, Jesus, oh, Peter, I'm glad you finally see it, right? This is good. Now, now you know some things you need to work on, right? Here's a plan. Uh, these are some markers you can sort of hit. And once you sort of reach these milestones, come back and see me and, buddy, we will be ready to go. I mean, that's how these things work in all other spheres of life. And yet Jesus says to him, do not be afraid do not be afraid. I'm going to take you on this journey with me. Uh, I, uh, I think we're afraid of it. We, re- we resist this confession. Uh, this is normally the moment in the sermon where, uh, I would make an Encanto reference. <laughs> oh, uh, so you all think it's coming, but it's not, uh, not even Lord of the Rings. Uh, um, uh but I did, maybe you saw the story this week. Um, the, the the painting in uh, the Russian art gallery. Anybody hear this story? Right. So uh, I have a picture of it here. Uh, it's they say it's worth about a million dollars. I think it was painted in the '30s. Valued at like a, a million uh, U.S. dollars, I think. Uh, the, the the artist's name. I'm probably I'm gonna mispronounce it, but uh, Anna Leporskaya. And uh, this this painting, sort of hanging in in this uh, Russian gallery. Do you guys know the story? Did you guys hear it? Uh, so a security guard, first night on the job first night first night on the job was bored and uh doodled on the painting right yeah i have a picture of it uh, side by side let's see if you can find can you see what he did <laughs> yeah what i know you're just like buddy oh man uh, i'm a sinner right <laughs> like uh He's probably very afraid. I I don't know. Uh, In an interview with the curator of the exhibit, this is what she said. His motives are still unknown, um, but the administration believes it was some kind of lapse in sanity. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, You think, and then I wonder, I wonder, uh, I wonder if it's not uh, a lapse in sanity for for all of us. the kind of games we play to kind of put a face on the sinfulness in our lives, right? It's, it's rarely as simple as just circling in a couple of dots, but all the effort and energy we expend to kind of uh, cover over or hide the fact or, or navigate around what we know to be true, the uncomfortable truth that we are, sin- are sinners, and I wonder if in the face of a gracious Savior like Jesus, if he's not like chuckling the way we chuckle at this kind of Move when, when we try to cover it up and hide it and resist this confession when all the while Jesus is there waiting, waiting, knowing he's ready to say, Do not be afraid, come with me. You don't have to put a face on it, you don't have to navigate around it, do not be afraid, come with me. I mean, this is what we really get, right? What we think is gonna happen is Jesus sort of gonna go clean it up, come back, whatever that looks like. But but what we really get in response to our confession is a savior who says, Oh, yes, Peter. Peter, I'm so glad we're on the same page. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't correct Peter. No, 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 Peter, you're a good guy. No, 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 you're not as bad as you think, right? No, no, he doesn't do any of those things. He accepts the confession. I'm glad we're on the same page. But then the next move now, Peter, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why don't you follow me? And let's get started on a new life together. Jesus doesn't correct Peter. He he accepts the confession, and then in his grace works uh, the miraculous change and pulls him into a life of following him. I wonder, man, I wonder over the years of Peter's life how often he told this fishing story, right? How often? Was it about the, like, catch? Right, uh, you know, I'm sure, right? He's a fisherman. I'm sure it was about the fish, right? But it was never really about the fish. I, wa- I wonder, I wonder when he's in prison, right? When he's in jail, I wonder if this uh, story came back to him. If he remembers sort of the spray of the water, the smell of the nets. Right, when he's, when he's sort of on the other side of the, the, the whole story of Jesus and its difference in his life, did he remember this uh, moment? I, I wonder. I wonder. John, John's gospel gives us another moment in Peter's life. After the cross, an empty tomb, Jesus, MIA, they don't know where he is. Uh, maybe they've seen him. Is it him? You know, there's all this, like, confusion around the resurrection. So Peter goes back to the boat, understandably so. This is his realm of expertise. He does what he knows to do. I wonder if at that moment, as he steps into the boat, again, he smells all those other sort of signifiers that engage his senses. If they take him back to that moment in the boat with Jesus, where he was exposed for what he was, and Jesus said, don't be afraid. I wonder if that's why when he saw someone on the shore whom he thought was Jesus, he just jumped over. Because his experience of that grace had been so overwhelming the first time that now, as a denier, as someone who had turned his back on Jesus, to see him now, maybe I'll get the same response again. And he runs ashore. And in a beautiful move, Jesus says, won't you have some breakfast with me? I don't know. I don't know. Verse 11 makes a lot of sense to me when I read it like this in the context of this kind of story. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him because grace like that, where else are you going to find it? I I would put to you this morning that our hearts ache, mine obviously does, for that kind of saving. I mean, our hearts chase after all kinds of things, a desperate search of a voice that will recognize us and accept us, that will recognize us in our brokenness and our sin, and yet somehow, through some power greater than our own, say, yes, I know, but even so, don't be afraid. Come come with me effect of that grace in Peter's life, as Luke tells it, he starts to zoom out, this work in Peter, well now it's James and John, and then he zooms out a little further, and uh, Jesus says to Peter, you're going to come with me, and we're going to make you, uh, we're going to take this grace, this experience of God's redemptive work in the world, it's just going to spill over, and and you're going to be... In, or Jesus is zeroing in on you and I as well, just as concerned about the nuances and details of your own personal lives and spaces of expertise, bringing you and me to the realization, the uncomfortable realization that we are sinners. And yet in that moment, speaking a word of grace, because he is the Savior, knows how to close the gap. That it's not on you and me to make up that distance, that he will take that on himself and pull us into a life of grace that spills over not only in our own lives, but into the lives of others around us. And maybe you're here this morning. Maybe I'm here this morning and I have forgotten. Maybe you have forgotten where it starts. You don't have to play the self-righteous game. You don't have to play the religious game. You aren't disqualified because of your own sense of brokenness. None of those things hold true. The thing that is true for all of us is that we are sinners. But maybe we have also forgotten what it's like to hear a Savior say to you and me, don't be afraid. You can follow me, not because you deserve it. You don't have to stay away because you think you've disqualified yourself. None of those things hold true. Yes, you're a sinner, but you can follow me. And maybe we've forgotten. The joyous future this opens up in front of us. Uh, the kind of grace that is that is worth just leaving everything else on the table and, and going after Jesus. Not by compulsion, because it's, but rather because it's the greatest good news we could ever hope to experience that's the gospel that Jesus meets your confession I'm a sinner with the invitation follow me and that's the good news of Jesus that he meets your confession I am a sinner with the invitation follow me I don't know what your thoughts on that may be but I think that's that's good news. Grace like that is worth leaving the nets behind and following and sharing with others as well. I want to invite you to stand.
0: Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.